Hi, Trubies. Welcome back to Ask an Angel. I'm your senior leader, Lola Stacy, And I'm Mia Letterer, and I'm a junior member of Peer Team. Um, so today's topic is another uh, more serious, a little bit more sensitive, so we want to go ahead and issue another trigger warning. Um, we're going to be discussing disordered eating. And we're also going to hear from our other senior leader, Isabella Martin, as well as two Trubies who have volunteered to share their experience with us to help spread awareness, as well as a specialist to offer some expert tips. All right, we are here with junior Katie DeMello here to share a little bit about her story, and we're going to ask her a couple questions to hear more about her experience. So thank you so much for coming on, Katie. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the first question we wanted to sort of talk about is um, what are some of the warning signs that you've noticed in yourself and what are some of the signs that other people should look for? Um, so warning signs that I noticed when I started falling into my eating disorder was I started isolating myself. I was really self-conscious, um, but the main thing was body checks, looking in the mirror and like looking at my stomach and like kind of measuring it every day. And so some of the signs that you should look out for definitely isolation and like picky eaters. Like if they're pushing their food around on their plate and if they make up like an excuse like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I don't feel great, then that might be a sign of an eating disorder. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's super good information for everyone to know and to look out for, especially if you know someone who might be struggling with this or if you're struggling with it yourself. Um, Next question is, how do you feel like you've grown during your recovery process? So when I first started, um, or when I like fell into the rabbit hole of eating disorders, I was um, really self-conscious. It was like in COVID. And so freshman in high school, really nervous. Um, I was having a really bad time getting along with my parents. And so I like fell into a rabbit hole of like this kind of like eating, um, myself and then and so like while I got recovery I was able to like kind of find myself a little more the more that I ate and the more that I actually started to fit into my body my confidence grew more because and with with my eating disorder I put up a mask and I tried to act like everything was great so that no one would try to stop me from restricting which was very unhealthy yeah thank you so much um, and then also, um, what are some of the things that sort of, even though you've um, completed your recovery process, um, are there ways that um, it sort of sticks with you, like in your everyday life, in ways that like your eating disorder still affects you now? So I've been in um, recovery for over a year now, um, and the one thing that sticks with me is it's from the refeeding process. So when you have an eating disorder and you stop eating and then it, you're forced to have food again, you constantly get sick. You, or at least for me, that was my experience. I couldn't hold anything down and it was a painful process um, and kind of embarrassing. But as like I ate more food, it got better. But now I, I struggle to brush my teeth without getting sick. I brush my teeth twice a day, but while brushing my tongue, I have to take like deep breaths and like sometimes I'll just like be leaning over my sink, just like trying to breathe in and out so that I don't get sick because it's not the most fun. Yeah, 
Oh, for sure. I'm sure it's hard that something that you thought maybe you had grown past sort of still yeah. sticks with you. And then I get accused of uh, purging when I get sick while brushing my teeth. And so that's that's not the best. It doesn't it's not helpful at all for people to start assuming that just because I got sick that I am listening to the eating disorder voice in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um is there any advice that you might have for someone who is going through this or knows someone who's struggling? I would say reach out to someone who's actually recovered from the eating disorder. Like, don't go to someone who still has it, because then the both, like, two of you are going to, like, yeah. sit in pity together. Um, and then it's even harder to get out that way. Try to, like, look for someone that's already been through it. And um, I just say that, because then they have more advice on, like, how they got out, and they can help you get out, too. Like... Um, one of my friends at St. Francis, I'm not going to name her name, but, but she was struggling with her eating disorder. I noticed signs in her um, because she kept on talking about how skinny she was and how she was so proud that she only ate one thing a day. Um, and so we we got Jamba Juice before school and we go on a walk while um, drinking it and um, having a waffle. But while we were talking, I had to make sure that the, that she kept on drinking. So I guess my advice is to go to someone who you trust that can help you out of it. Don't go to someone you know is going to hurt you in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here and sharing. Um, This is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm here with um, another student who is going to be sharing with us a little bit. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hi guys, I'm Lucy Letterer. I'm a freshman and uh, I think it was in like 2021, I went into uh, residential treatment for about two or three months. Yeah, so that's my my area of expertise. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions to get to know about the experience a little more to see um, for students who are struggling with that currently. Um, so Fergus, just tell us about a typical day at the recovery center. Some people were living and then some people like me, since I was at a local center, you got to, uh, I slept at home and then I would be dropped off at like 7am every day. So you like started off, they have, they like give you like breakfast. There's like a whole, whole dining hall. It's, it's a little, it's a little overwhelming, like being in there when you're like actively sick, but it's like not it's not like crazy like they have everyone's on a meal plan you get your own like little breakfast you get to chat with everyone around you and then like throughout the day there's like different groups and stuff they have uh dbt and cbt let's see if i can remember what those mean dialectal based therapy and then cognitive behavioral therapy and i got there uh and Yes, we'd have different groups. We had different support groups. We had, like, we did body image groups. We did, uh, like, anger management, um, like, family, like, roles. Like, there's a bunch of different, like, styles of, like, they were almost like classes. Like, we had, like, health classes. Like, we learned about, like, uh, osteoporosis, like, orthostasis. It's, like, everything that's, like, going on in your body, like, while you're going through, like, the recovery process, which is cool. Um, 
I mean, yeah, it sounds it sounds kind of fun. <laughs> it's not like like I feel like if I were like just like me regularly, I'd be like that sounds fun. Like mm-hmm. like it's it was like kind of cool like to be there. Like I had it was great. Like I had a lot of like really supportive friends and like the staff there was really awesome. And so yeah, we had different groups and then you just had like different we all met for like there were different like snacks and stuff you had to have and then you had like like there the food was kind of bad but like I feel like I feel like they should make it better given the circumstances but uh they have like a little like like dietitian staff like they have they like they make your food for you but it's like still it was a little weird but and like throughout the day you have like different you're assigned like a therapist and a dietitian and then psychiatrist and then I think there was a doctor or nurse there too mm-hmm. yeah so it was I mean it was an experience it was definitely something <laughs> yeah. I mean like like looking back I'm happy to be like not in that situation anymore but it was like definitely like a good amount of structure yeah okay interesting um so my other question for you is was there anything that like you would have liked to hear at the beginning of the process you wish someone had told you or just something you would have liked to know I think it's really important that like if you're struggling right now like knowing that recovery isn't linear like it's not like it's not like it's not the same for everyone and that's what's that like really helped me because I like like I'm not gonna have the same circumstances of recovery as someone else and like finding the stuff that works for you is really important um because there's like different things that can help you get back on track like some people like family therapy is really helpful I Mm -hmm. was not helpful for me yeah (laughs) like I uh it's just like you're gonna like different lapses are inevitable but like it's just mostly about avoiding full relapse Mm mm-hmm so I, I think just, like, knowing that, like, because at my treatment center, it was all very, like, this is how you get better. Like, this is what you're going to have to do. And it's, like, no, like, you have to do different things that are going to work for you. And yeah. you're not, your experience is going to be the same as someone else's experience. Yeah, which I think is also, like, can be applied to any sort of mental yeah. illness situation. But specifically, um, someone struggling with an eating disorder because, like, you're going to have off days and you're going to have days where it feels a lot harder than others. And I think just, like not like knowing that it doesn't have to be every single day you're getting better yeah. like you're gonna have days where it feels like you're getting worse it feels like you're regressing mm-hmm. but that's but, like, normal those days are like just as important as the right. ones where you feel good like right. it's like it's learning how to deal with those days like in a healthy yeah. way yeah awesome well, thank you so much for yeah. um taking the time to talk to us and feeling comfortable and is there anything else you want to share uh not really it's just like if you're struggling like there's so many different help lines that you can seek out like Mm -hmm. literally just like talk to your friends like like that's really important just like making sure you're not keeping things to yourself I know it seems easy to but it's really important that you don't because that's how like different things happen like eating disorders is like you can feel really secure in it Mm -hmm. like it's just like a it's a coping mechanism like overall and it's like what makes it so unhealthy is that you're not telling anyone and that it's like so secretive so like just like break break the cycle like recovery is like the best thing I've ever done in my life like it's like one of my proudest achievement like it's just like really it just feels so much better and like for anyone who's struggling out there just like know that like it's it it sounds cheesy but it does get better like it's like not it's not gonna be like that forever thank you awesome 
So thank you to both of those um, students that felt comfortable enough to come on here and talk about their experiences. And now we're going to hear from Isabella, who's our other senior leader, and she's going to be talking with an eating disorder specialist who is going to share a little bit of her experiences with teenagers. Um, so I guess before we get started, I kind of just want to tell you a little bit about what the podcast episode is going to be like. Um, so you have an idea of what um, kind of questions we're going to ask you, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so we've interviewed two students um, at St. Francis and kind of interviewed about their experience with an eating disorder. They have both um, been in the recovery process for some time now, so um, they kind of just shared their experience. And then we were kind of hoping from you to get some background more about eating disorders and like more steps we can take and to learn more about them. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so if you could like give some background on yourself, um, introduce yourself, that kind of thing, that would be great. Sure. Um, my name is Ariel Whitlock. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I actually have a special credential in eating disorders. I'm a certified eating disorder specialist as well. Um, I've been working in the eating disorder field for, you know, over 10, 12 years now. I have worked all different levels of care. I've worked at residentials, at partial hospitalizations, at intensive outpatients. And currently, I own the Therapist Collaborative. We are outpatient practitioners, so we do traditional therapy and dietitians um, that we see people, you know, weekly or biweekly. Uh, and we're mostly working with people with eating disorders. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I guess my first question, like following up about that was what led you into specializing in eating disorders and like starting the therapist collaborative? You know, I have a real drive um, to help people with body image. Um, I've been doing that for since I started, um, I, I, and a lot of um, the complexities that come with body image end up with um, eating disorders as well. Um, and so I felt like that was a good kind of marriage for me to be in a, an eating disorder field where I could help people kind of recover and reclaim their bodies in um, many ways, both, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally. Yeah, definitely. Super important. Um, what do you encourage people to do to like improve their body image, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, I, I really like to talk with about people is like, how are, how can you become friends with this body? Like you're going to be in this body for however long we're on this planet. Um, and so how do we kind of start to become friends with it rather than treating it like an enemy or feeling like it's going to betray us? Like, you know, what are the things that we do, actually? Where is the appreciation that we can have? We have so many expectations, especially with our world that's, like, so image-focused. We become, there's, like, just these layers and layers of expectation, expectations that we have for our body. Um, and so one of the things I really start to introduce is, like, well, where's the appreciation? And where can you bring in appreciation? Because I, uh, I love, there's a little quote out there, and I can't remember who said it, but they say, you turn your expectations into appreciation, the world t changes instantly. Yeah, definitely. It's super important to, like, appreciate your body and have a positive body image. Um, with that, like, what do you say when someone's struggling with body image, especially with, like, all the things about on social media and online and, like, all the comparisons that people are making, like, of their body image, that kind of thing? Um. So when, when I when we talk about compare, I say when you compare, you will always end up in despair. 
no matter what. Um, like that, like that is probably one of the things that will happen in, in all, whether it's grades or bodies or images, like you're usually using those, that, that comparison as a tool to like really, um, do self harm to yourself. And so, um, I, I really think it like, especially with social media, um, one, I, I like to kind of help people think a little bit more critically. Like, is this how this person looks all the time? Um, is this an angle that people sit at? Is this a, a you know, is, did people do a lot of makeup? Like, what is the image that you're really focusing on? And then you're comparing yourself to that standard. And it's also, it's a, a moment in time that you're comparing yourself across, you know, the standard of like, this is what I look like every day. Well, versus a picture, um, it, it doesn't, it really doesn't compute. Um, and so um, I, I really encourage people to think a little bit more critically when they're comparing themselves to social media images, like question why, why, you know, and why you're comparing yourself to somebody who you're just seeing a sliver or a particular shot that they want you to see. Yeah, definitely. We only see part of people's lives. So it's, it's important to critically think about that. Um, I guess asking more about like the eating disorder side, like what are some things that people say or people view on social media that can be triggering to people with an eating disorder that people may not realize? You know, I think, um, one of the biggest things that I like to educate people on is that you can't tell if somebody has an eating disorder by looking at them. Um, absolutely. There isn't. Some of the, um, you know, most physically sick patients that I've worked with um, look, quote unquote, normal. Um, it's, so you really cannot tell what somebody is going through by what they look like on the outside. And I think this is true with all mental health. You know, um, you can't tell if someone's really struggling with depression or anxiety. And the same is true with eating disorders. Um, and so what people say a lot of times is, you know, they make a lot of comments about bodies um, and um, one of the rules I like to give, um, you know, for self or when, I, when I'm teaching body image or teaching people about eating disorders is that if somebody can't change something in five minutes, then you probably shouldn't be commenting on it. So if, if you, you know, maybe if you're like, oh, you know, I like that sweater, um, that might be one thing. But commenting on like you look so thin or you look so good now, um, you look like you've um, you lost weight, like these are comments that can be. Um, massively triggering because then people feel like they have to maintain a certain way or a certain view. And it also feeds into like the eating disorder of like creating rules about like how their body needs to look. And so, um, you know, less comments about like physique and more comments about like a person's like um, personality and um, things that they can actually have more control over. Our bodies kind of stay in um, uh, they're, they're set points and unless we're really massively trying to change them like they're set and we really can't change that yeah I think it's really important to mention that and that um, we really don't know what someone's going through just by looking at them and we can't just assume and make statements like that um, yeah. another question that I have is how would you encourage someone or like if you have a friend with an eating disorder to seek or like agree to get help? How can you, how can you um, encourage somebody to seek or get help? Um, you know, I think um, that, well, are you, are you asking like if the, would the person know they have an eating disorder or they don't know they have an eating disorder? You're just concerned. Um, that they know they have an eating disorder. Okay. Um, 
I would really encourage them in that, like, you want to be supportive of them. And like, you, you know, kind of like maybe ask them, like, what's holding them back from wanting to get better? Because um, I think, you know, maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're afraid of who they might be without the eating disorder. They might be afraid of, you know, getting getting better or like what the eating disorder has provided for them. Um, and I think, you know, letting them know that you want to be there with them and letting them know that you really care about them. Like this is not, this is not how you would want to see your friend. You don't want to see them suffer. You want to see them really um, grow and be able to live out their dreams. And so I think being encouraging and just letting them know that no matter what, that you're going to stick by their side is probably one of the most helpful things we can do. Yeah. Um, Super important to support them. Um, I guess another question I would have would be what, would you encourage someone to do if they are concerned um, that someone might potentially have an eating disorder and maybe not realize it, like have those tendencies but don't realize it? How how would you encourage someone to approach that? You know, I think um, getting getting help to be able to approach that. Um, so whether it be a guidance counselor or a parent or a coach, like getting somebody to help talk to that person is probably going to be the most helpful and talk to them in a way that you, it's not so much judgmental, but that more so it's about concern. Um, and so I, I think like one of the things with eating disorders is that we work in a team. So there's usually a dietitian, a therapist, a doctor, a, you know, there's a, maybe a family therapist, there's a team. And so I think that approach can work well when you're approaching somebody as well. So it's not just maybe you confronting somebody, it's you and, and, a, and a teammate and who, whatever teammate that is, whether it be, again, a guidance counselor, a parent, uh, you know, a youth group leader, whoever that is, but you guys supporting and coming alongside of like, I do have concerns. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Um, and then my last question is more along the lines of maybe just supporting um, awareness about eating disorders and like steps people can take to learn about them and more remove the stigma around the subject. Okay, um, I'm going to break that down because it's like three <laughs> questions. <laughs> so I might please re ask them if I forget part of it. Um, so um, what are steps people can do to, what was the first part? To educate themselves about eating disorders. Sure. Um, to educate yourselves, there's a great site. You know, we have um, NEDA, um, N-E-D-A. Um, that's a great site that people can kind of, kind of go on. And it gives a lot, it kind of gives a breakdown of like um, of what different eating disorders are and, you know, what are some of uh, the behaviors or characteristics of, of um, different eating disorders. So I, I really encourage people to use that side or look at that side if they do have a friend or if they do have a loved one that they think may have an eating disorder, that's a great tool to go and kind of like check it out and see if like, wow, you know, some some of the behaviors are similar to what the NIDA is talking about. Um, what was the second part of the question? Um, like steps to remove the stigma around the subject. Yeah, this is a big one um, that, you know, has come up in the in the recent years is like, how do we remove stig- stigma against um, mental health or an eating disorder? And so I that's one of the big ones is that I talk about it like a lot of times people think like, oh, this person is just obsessed with how they look. And so one of the big stigmas that I, I bring want to remove is that it's not just about someone being vain about how they look like this is a mental health disorder like this is 
uh, a mental health concern. And so um, if, if we look at it like that, we wouldn't really judge somebody as like attention seeking who has um, anxiety or depression or, you know, a bipolar. We would say, okay, we need to help them. We need to support them. And that's the same category that eating disorders are in. They are a mental health concern. Um, and so that's how I would remove some of the stigma with eating disorders. Yeah, that's definitely super important. Um, those were pretty much all the questions I had. Is there anything like additional that you want people to know about eating disorders? Um, I, I think the biggest things that I really um, want people to know about eating disorders is that it can affect anybody. Um, I, you know, it doesn't have a specific kind, a person that it only affects. You know, a lot of times um, people think of it as only a um, girl's disease or only a white disease. And it's not, you know, like it is, it affects all kinds of kinds and it can affect anybody. Anybody can be impacted by an eating disorder. Um, and then the other thing I really like to um, drive home, and I, you know, I kind of already talked about this, is that, again, just by seeing somebody on the outside, you can't tell what's going on for them in their body. Um, so I think people classify eating disorders as like, well, you can tell by what their body is doing. You really can't um, because we don't really know what's going on inside of that person's body. So um, I like to remove the stigma of all eating disorders have to have uh, a classic look. Um, they don't. They can look. They can look like anybody. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty much everything I had. I really appreciate you being willing to come on here and let me interview you. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode. Um, remember, if you are in crisis or if you know someone who is in crisis, um, we are always available at Wellness. Miss Kim or any of the Guardian Angel members can set you up with the support you need. And if you are in a crisis and need help immediately, text NEDA to 741741 to be connected with a trained volunteer at the crisis text line for eating disorders. And our teacher shout out for this episode is Senora Vargas. We love Senora. Um, she's amazing. So special shout out to her. Yeah. Thank you for all the support and care that you show your students. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.